Come on, church. <laughs> oh, I have said many dad jokes myself. I'm sorry for anybody, especially my family who hears them on a, on a regular basis. Man, it is great to be back here with all of you guys this morning. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online. We love the fact that uh, we have the technology to reach you with the word of truth this morning, that we hope that God meets you where you're at, and the word of God will radically change your life. How is it revealed this morning? And if you are new with us, welcome, man. Welcome to Vertical Church, right? Come on, church, give it up for our guests. We love the fact that you're here today. We hope that you would feel welcome and wanted, and you'll come hang with us as we chase this life with Jesus Christ and for Jesus. If you haven't figured it out yet, we're all about Jesus in this place because we believe he changes everything. Right, church? Come on. Yeah. You know, one thing that hasn't been discussed this morning is this, this little illumination over here to my left. You're right. Right? Come on. This life, you're new with this, represents someone this past week who surrendered life to Jesus Christ. Our mission is a church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. So every time someone gives their life to Jesus, we praise God. Come on, bring it up. Bring it up. You know, it's beautiful. This is a beautiful thing. A little Connor, we were on vacation last week. We received a text message. A little Connor prayed with his parents and accepted Jesus Christ. And we, we want to reach every single generation. Uh, I believe Connor's around eight or nine years old. I could be wrong. with I, Summer's around there. But we started with the kids. We go into teens. And we move on to adults. Every generation. Why? Because every person matters to God. And we want to reach every single person with the message of hope of Jesus Christ. Right, church? Come on. Come on. And you know, it's funny. It's not funny. This is an absolutely amazing truth. What God is doing in your church. All right? You're a part of an amazing church. This is 28 salvations this year. This year. Not that we're keeping tabs or anything. Come on. Man, don't stop. Share the message of hope. Share the gospel. Talk to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers about Jesus because he changes everything in life. Roughly about 15 years ago, my, our family was living in upstate New York, central New York. Usually when I say New York, everybody thinks we're from the city. We're not from the city. The town I grew up in had more cows than people, okay? Just want to throw that out there. Um, Isaac was roughly about six years old. And one day he came home from school, he came home from school, came in the house, and he had tears in his eyes, and, and, he, and he was looking all downcast, and I walked up to him and said, hey, buddy, what happened, man? What's going on? And what, ha what happened was he told me that while he was on the bus on the way home, some boy on the bus grabbed his arm and twisted it, and it hurt him. As you know, as a dad, that extremely frustrates me. So I sat down as a godly father, and I started having this conversation. Say, hey, tell me, tell me how this worked out. I'll tell me exactly what happened. And then I stopped, and I said, this is what you're going to do. The next time someone tries to hurt you, or this boy steps up and tries to hurt you, what I want you to do is stop. I want you to step back, and I want you to punch him square in the nose. True story, I said that, right? I want you to punch a square nose. And I'm going on, I said, listen, when you hit someone in the nose, eyes, you don't understand. He's six years old. And I'm telling you, when you hit someone in the nose, their, their eyes start watering. They get confused. They don't know what's going on. They're going to stop them in their tracks. And as I'm getting all excited, telling my son to punch some kid in the nose, he's looking at me with such confusion. <laughs> and he sat there quietly. And he looks at me and goes, Dad, I'll take care of it. 
<laughs> so the next day he goes to school. And I'm waiting with great anticipation for him to come home. Like, come on, what is my son to do? Now, obviously, he didn't punch a kid in the nose because I didn't get a call from the school that day. You know, and he came home. I see him get off the bus. I'm waiting him for him to come through the door. And I'm like, hey, Isaac, tell me what happened. What happened? Tell me. I need to know. I need to know. And he goes up. He goes, okay, he sat me down. And we're having this conversation. And he goes, I said, what did you do? He goes, Dad, I got on the bus. I walked right up to the seat where that boy was, and I sat down with him. And I looked at him, and I said, don't you owe me something? He said, what do you mean? He says, you hurt me yesterday. You owe me an apology. And he goes, the little boy says, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. And I looked at him. He said, I forgive you, but don't do it again. Come on. Here's the point of that ridiculous story. True story. Dads, we're not going to always get it right. We're not always going to get it right. But the pattern of our lives sets the foundation for our children. We're not going to always get it right. But if Jesus is the pattern for our lives, we are pursuing him, our children will see that. And they'll want to live that. And they'll call us out at six years old when we're wrong. <laughs> and that's what we're going to be digging this morning. How do we as men man up? How do we man up and live lives that not only honor God, but impacts the kingdom through our kids? You want me on that? And of all you fathers in this room, man, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Come on. I know it's been said a lot. I know Father's Day is also one of those days that can bring some difficulty in life or hard feelings in your life. Someday, for so many of us in this room, some of us in this room, man, we're super stoked it's Father's Day. I was praising God on my scooter ride on my way in this morning about this opportunity he has given me to be a father. But I also understand you know, it could be difficult depending how you lived as an earthly father or your earthly father lived for you. But I don't care how you're coming at this morning. I want to take all these hurts and all these pains or all your excitement. I want to point us all to the good father in heaven. You know, today's conversation, you know, although we're speaking to the men room, has its direct application for every single one of us in the room. Simply because we all have a good father in heaven who loves us. And he's speaking to us this morning through his word and through worship. And this is what he's saying to you, to every single one of you. He's saying that I am here. I am here and I love you. Hear my words. Hear my voice speaking to your soul through my word. I'm calling you all to something greater than yourselves. He's asking you, would you believe in me, trust in me, will you follow me? That's what the good father is saying to every single one of us in this room. But man, here's the truth. God in his word has given us huge responsibility in life. He has called men to lead his church spiritually, and he calls us as men to lead our wives and our families and our children spiritually as well. 
God has thrown down the gauntlet, men, for you and I to be godly men in all of our relationships, in all of our responsibilities. But there's a flip side of that truth. Flip side of the truth that in his word that he's given us all his responsibility that many times we miss and we need to understand if God would never have done this, he never would have thrown down in his word what he's calling us to do is to be godly men, godly husbands, godly fathers, godly leaders. He wouldn't have put in, in the authority of his word for us to learn and to live if he didn't believe we could do it. If he didn't believe that it was possible in your life. Men, hear me in this. God believes in you. God believes in you. I don't care what the world says. I don't care every sitcom. And I, and I, I pulled this out of the past, this, uh, this message this morning because it's going to be too long. But I got to say it anyways. Our world pushes, pushes down on men too often, too fast, too hard. Every sitcom, they're made to look like idiots. Unworthy. Even a popular Christian movie uh, was it Ladies' Night Out years ago. All these women are going on and going on their trips and doing their adventures, and it was absolutely crazy. But on the flip side of that whole movie, they're making fun of the fathers. And if you ask me, if we want godly men, we want to raise up men to lead the church, men to lead their families, to be examples for their children, man, we better not make fun of them. Let's lift them up and encourage them. Let's call them to something greater that God has for them. When God says, you can because of what I will do in your life. You are able, guys, because of the strength I will give you. You are capable because of the abilities and gifts I have given you through birth and the Holy Spirit. You will succeed when you follow me because that's how I created you. I have called you not to fail but to walk with me in victory. I believe in you is what God says. So what does it mean to man up? What does it mean to man up? We just walked through the series, the hashtag struggle series, picking apart how strongly we are influenced by social media in our lives and what it's doing to our culture. I can only imagine what it says or the world says what it means to be a man. You know, maybe being a man is being physically strong, like you can lift up boulders above your head. Maybe it, it being a man is being a, having a, an emotional front, emotionless front where you don't cry, you don't show emotion. Maybe that's what it means to be a man. Maybe it means to be a man to have the position of power, to make all the pesos. Maybe it means to be a man to do everything yourself and never ask for help. Maybe that's not what it means to be a man. I think, I believe, if we took what the world says what it means to be a man, and sit it down next to what God says it means to be a man, we'd have two drastically different images. So what we're going to do today, we're going to open up God's word. We're going to have a conversation with the word of truth. 
And we're going to start developing a foundation for us to build uh, what it means to man up, to be a man of God, and then let our personal pursuit of Jesus build from there. You with me on that? All right, open your Bibles if you would. Let's get into this. Open your Bibles if you would to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll be starting at verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Uh, you will find it on page 125 of the Orange Bibles when you come in. 125, Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 1. You know, as you're opening your Bibles or your Bible apps, as we're getting to the, the passage this morning, Moses in chapter 5 just completed revealing the Ten Commandments to his people, re revealing them to Israel. They were getting ready to go into the promised land. God says, I'm going to bring you into the land of flowing milk and honey, and you're going to prosper there. I'm going to protect you there. And God was getting ready to bring them into the. By the way, church, we serve a God who keeps his promises. Right? We serve a God who keeps his promises. And he was reminding them what God did for them and how he was called them to live. But also as we're stepping into this, this morning, <clears throat> this is what's known as part of this called the Shema. Now Shema is a prayer that the ancient Israelites and Jewish culture still do it today. They would memorize these parts of God's word and they recite it as a prayer as a reminder, them, reminder to them how God has called them to live. Man, we need those reminders every day how God has called us to live. God, this is what you've done for me. This is how you called me to live. Let me do that today. So we're going to be opening up at Deuteronomy chapter 6. What I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read God's word. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read this and pretend, not pretend, we're going to make it our prayer this morning. We're going to make it our prayer. And we, Thank you. Uh, what God, we want God to do this morning. <clears throat> he says, chapter 6, starting at verse 1. These are the commands and decrees, the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees, his commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, Israel, be careful to obey that it may go well with you, and you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God, your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. And press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Amen. Let's join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come and praise you. You're the only one who deserves it. You are our good Father. As Lord, as we just read your word back to you, I pray that it was a, it was a beautiful offering. Not just words on our lips, but the meditation of our hearts to choose to live for you. Not just as men of God, but of people of God, your children. God, open our hearts and our minds to the, your truth this morning. May we just set everything aside that's confusing us, set, uh, blocking it or dividing our attention and just focus on what you have for us today. And it's in your son's name I pray. 
Amen. God bless the church. Go ahead and grab a seat. This is amazing. What I want to do this morning is I want to stop and unpack these verses. And I want to walk through several different layers of what it means for us uh, for to follow Jesus, to be a man up God, a man up, be a man of Jesus. And the first one is this. Manning up starts with knowing who you are in Jesus. Manning up starts with knowing who you are in Jesus. See, that might be Jesus calling. <laughs> Hello, Jesus. <laughs> too many men, too many men place their identity in the wrong things. They try to find their identity in their promotions. We try to find our identity in our power, our prestige in the world, not in the image of our Savior. And if we're honest, it's not just men. The world is in an identity crisis. Culture is stripping away the imago Dei, which means the image of God that we are created in, and it's trying to replace it with all these influences that blind us from the truth. We are not who the world says we are. We are not who we say we are. We are who Jesus says we are. And look what Moses says. Look what he told his people. Chapter 6, verse 1, he says, These are the commands and decrees and laws of the Lord your God. The Lord your God. This is who you are. You are a child of God. You are an image bearer of the king of creation. You are made with such beauty and splendor that far exceeds anything that man can try to build, try to create, or tell you to be. He is your God. You are his child. Now listen, I know. I know. I just lost some men in the room when I said you were beautiful. That's okay. Moses is reminding them, reminding us that we are God's people, men. In Jesus, you are God's people. You find your everything in him. But unfortunately, all of our lives has been drilled in us from a young age to take our manly cues from what the world is saying. What it's telling us what we need to be, that we, need, that we find our manlihood in what we do, what we can provide, or what we can possess. I can imagine that some of us are in this room, are feeling that right now. This is what we feel, what it feels like to be a man. And I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I fight through it as well. Why? Because from a little kid, I too was being indoctrinated to the worldly view of like this is what it means to be a man. At some point, someone lied to us. And at some point, we started believing a lie. Young, old, rich, poor, thin, white, short, tall, business CEO, working in the mailroom, man. These are all the things that the culture wants us to look in the mirror and start measuring our worth. Let me tell you, church, it's just junk. You are not defined by what you do. 
You are not defined by what you can provide. You're not defined by what you possess. You are defined by Jesus and Jesus alone. If you really want to man up, Jesus up. Think about this. Think about this. Step back. Think about the last time or times that you felt unworthy. The last time that you felt like a failure. The last time that you were feel like you were unable. It's my guess if you stop and think through those times, you were aligning your identity to the ideals of this world. Not to the truth of who you are to Jesus. The manliest man that you and I could ever meet and have a conversation with said it very clearly. He says, everyone who builds the foundation on the rock, the rock of Jesus Christ, has a foundation that cannot be shaken. We start there. We hold it there. We live there in Jesus. Manning up starts with knowing who we are. And manning up is continued by living and becoming like the man, Jesus. It's continued by living and becoming like Jesus. It's not just understanding where you stand and with who you stand. It's living it out in our lives. Look back at verse 1 again. It says, these are the commands and decrees and laws that your God has directed me to teach you to observe. To teach you to observe. Friends, we can't just know the truth. We need to live the truth. That phrase, teach you to observe, means that we hold to it. We live it out. We conform our lives, our actions to pursue it. I mean, that's what God was calling his people to do. You're going in there. I'm keeping my promises and bringing you to this beautiful land, have this beautiful relationship with me. Hey, why don't you live out my word? And it didn't stop with the Israelites. Jesus shows up in a scene. He pulls us back into the scene. He says, okay, let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, this is Jesus. If you love me, keep my commands. This is your Jesus. He's saying, if you love me, keep my commands. Live out my word. Later on, verse 23, he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Jesus spent some time talking to some people. Jesus spent some time revealing his word. He says, if you love me, obey my teaching. And what what God is doing to us this morning, what he's doing, he's calling us out. He says, don't be a Christian by name. Don't just say, well, I'm a Christian. No, no. He says, be a follower of Jesus in obedience. Manning up is becoming like and living like Jesus. And he calls us out in his word. Listen, listen, listen. The depth of our love is revealed by the width of our obedience. 
the depth of our love is, is revealed by the, the width of our obedience. And friends, Christianity is not a, a fish story. You know what I'm saying? I once caught a fish this big. Every time you told it, your arms got wider. Well, sometimes that's what we do with our relationship with Jesus. I love Jesus. But the reality is it in our obedience. It's not just knowing the word. Man, we need to live it out. Set the example. And becoming like Jesus doesn't happen by accident. It didn't, doesn't come like accident. We must take this book, right? We need to take this book, open it up, read it, and do what it says. Amen. Let the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, do the work of God in your lives. And if you're here, you're in this room, you can hear my voice, you listen to this message, let me just tell you, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, he is the Lord of your life, you receive the free gift of eternal life to be with him forever and ever, amen, getting into this book is not an option, it's a requirement, You can't know God and how he's called you to live unless you read God and let him tell you how to live. We can't observe and keep his commands and keep Jesus' teaching if we don't know what they are. You want to look around the world and think, man, some of these churches are all messed up and stuff because they're not learning the word. The only way to know how God has called us to live is to open his book. The only way we can become like Jesus is to open his book, read it, and apply it to our lives. Church, read your Bibles. Because this is a truth. You can't lead your kids spiritually to a place you've never been personally. You can't lead your kids spiritually to a place you have never been personally. You can say, come on, why don't you act like Jesus? Why don't you act like Jesus when you're not acting like Jesus? You, can't, you need to know God. You need to draw close to God. When you don't know God, you're not drawing close to God. You can't know his word. And you know his word, know his word. You can't tell him that if you don't know his word. We can't lead anyone, not just men. We can't lead anyone spiritually unless we be within there ourselves. And we can't miss this. Becoming like and living for Jesus is generational living. Generational living. Look back at verse 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, these are the commands and decrees, the laws your God that I've directed you to me, directed me to teach you and to observe in the land you're crossing in the Jordan and possess, so that your 
children and their children may, may after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his decrees and commands that I give you so they may enjoy a long life. When we become God-fearing, Jesus-loving, faithful-living men, women, children of God, it doesn't just impact our lives. It impacts the foundation of our children's lives, the next generation, and the generation after that. Last weekend, we had baptism services here. It was pretty amazing. I watched it online, getting some people proclaiming their faith in Jesus Christ right over here. Well, while that was going on, I had the, the privilege, while well, in Pennsylvania, visiting some friends and baptized three of their daughters. Um, yeah, amen to that. And I'm sitting there at the side of this lake. It's their personal lake. And they had a family. There were probably about 80-some people there. And as I'm talking about that, I actually read this scripture, Deuteronomy 6, to them as I was preparing for this weekend. And I said, hey, listen to this. You need to understand this. This is generational living. And let me just tell you, I see it in front of me. Because what happened is, Pat, the mom stood up, said, hey, can I say something? I was absolutely, this is your grass. You can tell me to get off at any time. Um, and she stood up. She just wanted to share with you that George, which is the father, built this lake. And he was the first one that was baptized in it. And they baptized all their kids in it. And now they're baptizing all their grandkids in it. The impact of us living and becoming like Jesus doesn't just sit with us. Man, it impacts our kids and their kids. God is calling us to something amazing, to do something amazing that's far greater than ourselves. And you may be sitting in this room and you're Gen 1 with Jesus. You're Generation 1 with Jesus. Praise God for that. Man, you should be hearing this message and saying, come on, I'm gonna tell my kids. I'm going to tell my kids about Jesus. I want them to know Jesus so my grandkids know Jesus. Maybe in a room, you're generation two Jesus followers. You had parents who told you about Jesus, and you, you witnessed it in their lives, and you've been living it out. That's absolutely amazing. Maybe you're generation three in this room, and you've watched it for three, two generations. Like, I want to live that. I want to have what they have. I want to walk with Jesus. Maybe you're generation four. I have no idea. But don't think that your life is all about you. Living for Jesus impacts all those around you and generations past you. Become like and live for Jesus. And here's why. Manning up is leading our kids to do the same. Manning up is leading our kids to do the same. Verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today, they are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them as door frames of your houses and on your gates. I absolutely love this section of scripture because Moses starts talking out to the people of God like you are God's children. Obey his word. 
Okay? You know what it is. We've memorized a bunch of it. I've told you it's on these tablets. Now memorize it. But then he switches gears. He's not just talking to them as children of God. He's talking to them as parents. Don't just obey the word, man. Okay, this is not about you. Invest in your kids. Take this word that you're learning and invest your time with your children. I'm talking to you about your kids. He says, you have a responsibility in life. We have a calling on our life, men. And guess what? Guess what? It has nothing to do with what you do for a living. It has nothing to do with what you provide. It has nothing to do with what you have. It has everything to do with, with the blessings that God has given you in your children. Here are the words of God Almighty. Obey them and impress them onto your children's, into their lives. Make it a part of every part of their lives. At dinner while you're eating, spend time investing into having spiritual conversation with your kids. Spend time in his word and prayer together with them. Before they go out, share with them how you are reading scripture, how it's live and active and it's directly affecting what you're doing, how you are living. Show them it's real and true. I was thinking about this after Mother's Day, and it clearly applies to us this morning here. It's about Father's Day, and it's this. As parents, as parents, we first find our identity in the fullness of Christ. Then we have to decide to live missional with our children so that they can do the same. As parents, we find our everything in Jesus our fullness, our identity, who we are, what he's called us to do, how he's called us to live, and we start living it around, and we start impressing in our children so our children don't look to the world to find out who they are, so our children don't find out their friends at school who they are or how they build friendships or social media. They turn around and say, no, I know who I am because of Jesus. So let me just ask. Are you missional with your kids? Are you missional with your children's? Do you have a plan to live it out? Are you intentional with your time? I've had too many conversations with parents over the years to try to figure out why their kids are going off the rails. I don't get it, Rich. I don't get it. And I'll stop and say, how did you live it out with them? Tell me how you were missional with them. How did you impress his word into their life? How did you make God a priority? How did you make Jesus a part of their lives? Here's why it's so important, friends. God doesn't have grandchildren. God only has children. If you open up your book, read the Bible, you'll never hear the word, you are God's grandchild. 
but you will read that you're his child. And the only way you become his child through a life surrendered to Jesus Christ, we celebrated that this morning. We are to lead our children to the Father so they become his children too. A month ago, um, I was reading all over social media that all these kids were taking all these field trips at the end of school, so we were going to stop teaching everybody. We are going to do these fun things, right? All these kids went on these field trips, so I said, you know, you know what? I'm going to take a field trip too. So I took a field trip to Duke Energy, and um, I spent the, some time with Matt Bollock when he blessed me with the opportunity to tour the plant and see how all things that go down so we can turn our lights on. Let me just tell you, mind blown, baby. It was crazy. He took me up 10 stories and said, hey, Rich, look down. All it was great floors. I got scared. I cried. I, no, I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> Matt oversees the turbine and the generator section of this of this uh, of Duke Energy. He oversees the projects when things get re- need to rebuild, outages, repairs. And he showed me all this massive, I'm telling you about massive equipment. He showed me this one piece. It weighs like 128,000 pounds. I lifted it. Did not, that's a lie. I did not touch it. Uh, it looked really, really cool. Um, and all these massive pieces of equipment that, that makes this electricity that we use. And he was showing, as you show me around, he pointed off this one really quickly to says, hey, this piece over here, this is like the exciter. I'm like, ooh, what's an exciter? You know, he says, if this one piece wasn't in place first, the whole process um, wouldn't work. Oh, the whole process wouldn't work. And so I sat back and thought about it. He says, okay, the excitation process, the excitation process uh, system is responsible for applying current to the generator rotor. And he says, when that's done, when that's done, it's applying the current, it creates a big magnet. And, and after the magnet is created, it says the, team, the steam turbine turns this whole thing. And that's when... when Electricity happens, okay? So I just butchered that whole thing. You want the real story, talk to Matt after service, because it's way beyond what I can understand, right? Uh, but this is what I got. If it wasn't for the exciter, there would be no electricity. Men, God has called you to be the exciter for your family. You have been given everything you need to fire up Jesus in your home into the next generation. It starts with you. God has called you to it. He has chosen you to be the Jesus exciter in your home. Let the power of the Holy Spirit have its way in your life. The power of you, of you impressing Jesus in his word in children's life is almost immeasurable. You have to choose to be the Jesus exciter in your home. And here's the beauty of this. There I go using the word beauty again. Sorry, guys. You hear things like this talking about God's word, pressing in our kids, and you know, all those things. You're like, oh, Rich, come on. I, I, I need to work on this. Man, it's never too late. But Jesus, never too late. Because I don't care how old your children are, you are still their parents. And you still can influence them for Jesus. 
We never stop investing in their lives. They're o- we're always called to point them to Jesus. So I don't know where you are with your kids. God does. You can be walking with them for years. You can be walking with them for a couple months as you're still changing diapers, right? You have the opportunity to radically shape their lives by being a Jesus man. You know, I think of the model that we have in our Heavenly Father. How He is grace-filled. We can be the same. You know, when Moses was talking to them, he was finishing this out. He's like, hey, this is what I've called you to do. This is what I called you to do with your kids. He shares a uh, in verse 13 a phrase that I think it's that is absolutely pivotal pivotal in our lives. He says, "Fear the Lord your God and serve Him only." And I believe, at men and and young men and women and all of everybody in this room, if we chose to live that part of the verse out, our lives would be radically changed. Our kids' lives would be radically changed. And our kid, grandkids' lives would be radically changed. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only. In that one phrase is all three parts of the foundation. Our identity with Jesus, our obedience with Jesus, and leading our children to Jesus. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we're so thankful for the example that you set for us as dads. You are a good, good father. You are humble. You are gracious. You're full of forgiveness. You overflow mercy into our lives. And you've called us to be the same. Lord, I know that I'm not the only father in this room that messes up. But I thank you for the pattern that you've been instilling in my life. Thank you for the pattern you've been instilling in the men in this room. And I even think about the young men in this room right now who are listening. I pray the pattern is being built in them right now. So when they get married, when they have kids, they will be lived out in their lives. You set the example, God. You just call us to follow in obedience. And I pray for that for every single one of us in this room. You know, right now I'm going to call our prayer team forward. If you're in this room and you're walking through this and you want encouragement, I'm going to ask you to come forward and be prayed for after service. We want to lift you up. We want to encourage your life. We also want to point you to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And maybe that's a beginning point for you this morning. You heard about people giving their life to Jesus, Jesus, and you're thinking about, I've never done that. And you're talking about being a dad. You want to give your life to Jesus. Man, come forward. Everything that I shared this morning, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. You can't lead your children if you don't have him. You can't be like him if you don't have him. 
You can't find your identity in him if you don't have him. It all starts with Jesus. So I don't know where you're at this morning. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus, come forward. Talk with our prayer team. Find out what it means to surrender your life to Jesus and let him radically change your life. God, I'm so thankful that you've allowed me to be a dad. And I'm humbled the opportunity you've given me to raise two young men to point them towards you. They are a true gift. Like many other gifts we're celebrating this morning. We lift them to you, all of our children. May you be the core of their lives. May they chase you for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. We have some, uh, oh boy, one, two, and three. And are the names on them? They'll come up on the screen. We had this Ride Your Manly Ride, right? And we have some gifts. We said prizes are going to be awarded. So, second and th- are we doing third place first? Three, two, one. All right. So, third place for Ride Your Manly Ride. I have no idea what's in these boxes, by the way. It could be some Cracker Jacks. Third place. <laughs> Who owns this vehicle? Come on up, dude. This is for you. That's the man thing to do is knuckle bump. All right. Second place, ride your manly ride. We got... Come on. Who is it? Yeah. Good job, dude. Thanks for bringing it in. All right. First place for ride your manly ride goes to... Mr. Fence, come on. We're going to knuckle bump too. Boom. Great job. Oh, my word. Church, you're awesome. Have an amazing day. God bless. We'll see you next Sunday.